Breaking news right now at this hour, French President Emmanuel Macron has won re-election in the country's hotly contested presidential election. The Associated Press projected his win after polls closed just minutes ago. This gives Emmanuel Macron a second five-year term as the leader of France. Welcome to Politicology. I'm Ron Steslow. Last weekend, France held presidential elections in what was thought to be a major test of liberal democracy in Europe. President Emmanuel Macron faced a challenge from a far-right, Putin-aligned nationalist candidate, Marine Le Pen. I wanted to dive into how French voters approached the election, what issues concerned them, and the context of this election within the global rise of authoritarianism. So I'm excited to talk with Karen Lejean. Karen has worked as a journalist for Le Journal du Dimanche for 36 years, with 28 years at the Foreign Desk. She's covered major conflicts and events all over the globe, including the Bosnian War and Hurricane Katrina. She also just got back from covering the war in Ukraine. And I got to meet Karen back in 2020 to talk about the work we were doing at the Lincoln Project. Karen, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you taking some time to, uh, to speak with us. Thank you for having me. So before we get started, uh, could you just share with our listeners a little bit about your background uh, in journalism, what you've covered, and sort of your perspective on the French election before we dive into the, the, the subject matter? I work for Le Journal du Dimanche, which is the uh, main Sunday publication in France. And it's very, uh, uh, it's read by all the politicians in France. You know, if they, if they want to give an interview, uh, they do it on Sunday. So uh, everybody's going to talk about it on Sunday and Monday. So I've been working for this paper for 36 years, which is very unusual <sighs> for uh, a regular American journalist, I suppose. And I'm mostly working for a foreign desk, for the foreign desk. But of course, you know, it's it's all also related to the uh, political desk because of, uh, especially because of issues like uh, Russia, Ukraine right now, you know, because the two candidates had total different point of views. Of course, I'm a little bit legitimate to talk about it, I would say, about the French election. Yes. And you cover politics outside of France, right? Uh, you say you, you cover France and the world. Can you say a little bit more about the world part? I've been um, traveling abroad for 28 years, covering major conf conflict most of the time, but also any political, big political election, a lot in the United States, by the way, but also um, I was in Hungary just uh, two weeks ago after I spent three weeks in Ukraine, you know, and uh, so every major, um, I would say, political election I covered almost everywhere except Russia. I've never been uh, in Russia, but uh, almost everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, you mentioned that you're coming to Texas, I think, soon. To yes, the United States. Yes, yes, exactly. I have a very specific angle. I don't know if it's a good one or I don't know, but uh, yeah. it would be the um, laboratory of the United of America, maybe tomorrow, you know, and uh, this is my angle. And also the abortion issue, which is going to be a major issue uh, for the midterms in uh, November. So I have yeah. two political stories. This is fascinating. I hope we can speak with you again about that. Uh, I, would, I would love to do that. Why don't we uh, begin with the, the campaign, uh, the Macron-Le Pen? Can you help us understand what the climate was 
heading into the election, what were the key issues for voters? Uh, uh, before we got to now election day, how, how, what was the on-ramp to today? It was quite tense, I would say. And the main issue was not the war in Ukraine. And coming back from Ukraine, I was a bit surprised. But the main issue was the, uh, uh, the economy. It was really, really the main, main target of the French people during the entire mandate of Macron anyway, but especially in the last uh, in the last year, I would say. And the other candidates, um, Marine Le Pen and the other one from the extreme left wing, Jean-Luc Mélenchon, was really, really targeting, you know, the uh, the issue of, of economy. So this was mainly the main topic of the of the of this year. And Macron was accused of not responding, of course, because. He was mainly uh, dealing with Ukraine, you know, so people were not satisfied with it. But obviously, some people were satisfied because he won by 58%. (laughs) So obviously, some people were satisfied. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. As we're speaking, uh, just uh, within the last hour, I think we saw the U.S. headlines break that the race had been called. So uh, this is just happening. Um, We're speaking on Sunday and our listeners will hear this on uh, Wednesday. So what was the sentiment around Le Pen and Macron heading into the second round of the presidential election? It's very bizarre because you always have some uh, what we call opinion polls, you know, so it's not public. So we knew, as as far as we are concerned journalists, we knew that uh, Macron was doing pretty well in the opinion polls, you know, but the general atmosphere of the, um, for the public, for the public world, I would say, was like, you know, Marine Le Pen, it might be winning this time, you know, so it was really, really bizarre because on one hand, you had the professional journalists who knew the figure were not as high as uh, five years ago, but he's still going to be winning, you know, and, uh, but it was, it was, yeah, on the back seat, if you want. So, but on, for the uh, general public, it was like Marine Le Pen is going to win. So everybody was really tense. Mm-hmm. And the big, the big issue was the, um, the fact that the people um, did not vote. And where are they going to vote, you know, and make uh, some kind of big fans against Marine Le Pen or not? You know, this was a big issue. And obviously, it's still a big issue because of the low ter- voter turnout. It's uh, almost mm. as high as uh, in, in 1969, you know, it was 30%. And this time it's 278 or something like that, almost 28%. We'll get into uh, Marine Le Pen a little bit um, next. But before we do that, can you explain what you think the difference is between then and now, this tighter race? Uh, what do you think it means that it was much closer this time? Not, not not close by you know election standards, right? There's still quite a wide margin, but she did much better than than last time. Because she said she's learning, you know, in a way. And we had and we had some very uh, big crisis in in the last uh, five years. We had the yellow jacket, with I, I'm sure you heard you've heard of it, uh, which took place two years ago. You know, people were. In my hometown, Paris, you know, destroying everything. And people were very, very unhappy. And this was a major crisis for uh, Macron, who actually did really, I mean, he did not really respond, you know. And Marine Le Pen, you know, she she worked hard, harder. She worked on different issues, like, of course, the economy, but also the migrants issue, which is a huge issue in France also. And on the Muslim issue, which is also, and I'm ashamed to say it, but it's also a very, a very, very uh, important issue in, in France. You know, you have many, many people who seem to believe that we are absolutely surrounded by, by foreigners, you know, and uh, African Africans and, uh, and people from the Middle East, you know. 
in that sense, you know, she became stronger and stronger. And I'm, I'm and I would say that she's simply better than before. You know, she's learning. She's learning how to do how to do. Yeah. How to do better, you know, how to be better, you know. And uh, but during the debate, the second debate, you know, you could see that even if she learned a lot, she obviously is not good enough for for to be a president. And she's she's she did only 41 percent, you know, and the opinion polls were 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 saying that she was going to be between 43, 45, 46. So she did a little bit less, you know, that uh, that what we thought. Because even if she was better at the debate, she was still. How can I put it in English? In the in the good English, I would say you could you can give the key to Macron. He's gonna he's gonna drive you everywhere. He knows he knows the state. You know he knows how to how the machine is working, which is not probably the case uh, with Marine Le Pen. And the Ukraine war was also an issue, even if it was not a main um, reason why the people voted for Marine Le Pen or uh, Emmanuel Macron. Back in the head of the people, you know, if you choose Marine Le Pen, it means that you're ready to talk with Putin and Russia, you know. Mm. That's, an, that's a mm. very sensitive issue in France also. The other side is not willing to, to work, to talk to uh, Mr. Putin, you know. So it was very important during this election also. Even, I repeat myself, but even if it was not one of the main reasons why the people voted for him or her. Before we talk about Putin, which I, I really want to understand the dynamics of Putin in this race. Um, but first, maybe for our listeners who aren't familiar with what Marine Le Pen represents. Uh, and, you know, she has said that she wants to uh, de-demonize the National Front, uh, which is now called the National Rally. And so can you explain what she means by that and why why has the National Front or the National Rally been uh, been demonized? What, how would you compare that to, for example, uh, the MAGA movement in the United States? And, and then how has the public perception of her shifted recently and, and over time? I would say, I mean, you have to compare her to her father, you know, who uh, founded the, this party. And her father was very, very much nationalistic, I would say. Some people would say racist, you know, very much France, France, France on top of everything, you know. And uh, this is how she started her career also, you know. But when she lost, uh, obviously she worked on it again, you know, and she decided that she would uh, uh, clean clean up a little bit the image, you know, of the um, Front National, which was the, the, her, the name of the party before. And she got rid of all the extreme right-wing um, ideologists working around her. She took another crew and she made it, I uh, would say, more... You, you could listen to her without thinking that you were... an a terrible racist and uh, you were somebody mm. normal, you know, somebody totally normal who wants to have a better life, who doesn't want to have any migrants. That's another, it's still an issue, very sensitive one. And, um, and she was extremely careful also not to use uh, racist sentences like her father did, you know, like the famous, um, the famous word that he used with the detail talking about the, um, the Shoah, you know, he always he always said that there were not six millions of Jews, you know, uh, killed in uh, in in Germany. She never never uh, went into that field, you know. She was very cautious enough not to do so. So she made herself clean, you know, and she, more respectable, I would say. And um, the people who hesitated, you know, thought and were afraid of um, of the, uh, I would say. The, uh, the the consequences of the war in the Middle East, because we had some quite, uh, you know, 
tired of oh, to escape the war and uh, they got completely I don't know they they are still afraid of that and her speech was clever enough you know to drag their attention without hurting you know also without them thinking I'm I'm an awful racist. So in that sense, she really made it, you know, and um, she stopped being aggressive because she was being accused of of, do, of being so past in back in the time. And uh, she became, yeah, she, she, she cleaned up her, her image, you know, and it worked. It, did, it definitely worked. And she also um, took, I would say, the people of the Communist Party, you know, usually in France, you have the, uh, I would say, not the middle class, under, lower class, you know, or even the middle class who would who would vote for Communist Party. But life is getting harder and they stop believing in the Communist Party, even much mm. worse to the, uh, in, in the Socialist Party. And she um, she captured their votes, you know. And uh, now you have some people like Jean-Luc Mélenchon, who is in extreme left wing. He got 30% of the voters, his voters, 30% of them voted for Marine Le Pen, which is a lot, mm. you know, which is really a lot. Mm. He doesn't say so. He doesn't want to brag about it. But this is the reality. You have, you know, I mean, and this is something very complicated to understand because I don't myself, I don't understand how you can vote for the extreme uh, left wing. And then you, you're going to give you your vote to the extreme uh, right wing. I don't I don't really get it. Get it, in fact, you know, to tell you the truth. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I wonder if it uh, it would be fair to compare that to the Bernie Sanders wing of the Democratic Party and the Trump wing of the Republican Party. I mean, the Bernie Sanders voters and Donald Trump voters in the United States uh, are are now famously sort of have a lot in common. There were a lot of uh, votes that went from Bernie to Trump, and. I think it was because of the economic populism embedded in the messaging. And so I wonder, since the economy was such a dominant issue in this campaign, um, what was her economic message? What was she promising that, uh, that, that scored her those votes? She promised so many, many things, you know, which are probably not possible, you know. But the people are so... Um, and there is something that I forgot to say, explaining the reason why she got so many votes, is that Macron has... I mean, so many people hate Macron. It's just unbelievable. It's something really, really unbelievable. I've never seen any president mm. in my life, my lifetime, you know, being so much hated. He's really hated. And she really, really uh, worked on that a lot. And her main message during the um, past year, because she's been campaigning for 10 months now, was tar mainly targeting Macron, you know. Her economical, um, econ economical program was not even that much sophisticated. It was mainly Macron, 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 you know. And you have also some key, key issues like the, um, retirement for the French, which is with Macron 65. And she promised that she would do it at 60 years old. And the French are very, very sensitive to the issue. They don't want to work uh, work uh, for ages. You know, they want to enjoy their, uh, yes, uh, we're, not, we're not like the Americans, you know. And um, <laughs> they, no, I mean, that's the way it is, you know. And um, so this is, uh, and also the other thing, she did some, interest, in, it's interesting in the sense that she did some, uh, uh, I would say some socialist promises in a way, you know in her program. Very, huh. so, yeah, yeah, in a way, you know. I wonder what you think of the similarities and maybe the differences between the National Rally and the MAGA movement in the United States. What do you think 
Americans, especially listeners to this podcast who who have been with us since the Lincoln Project days, what can they learn from this election and from Marine Le Pen's uh, successful uh, attempts to essentially whitewash the bread, to rebrand what was once a very toxic organization? I think it's a little bit complicated to compare the MAGA movement to uh, with the French because you tell me if, I, if I'm wrong, but the MAGA movement is turning around Donald Trump, you know, mainly. I mean, without him, I'm not sure there is a MAGA movement. I'm not sure about that. You know, you're American. I'm not American. So, but for Marine Le Pen, there is no such a cult of personality. You know, it's 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 um. This is why it's very difficult for me to compare the two, you know, even if I agree with you, the uh, population who are attracted by those two parties, you know, are they have similarities that definitely, you know, they're mostly mm. white. They've been hurt by globalization. Yeah. Anti-globalization. They are uh, anti-migrants. You know, they're, they they all have probably the same type of issues, you know, but the uh, Trump is it's uh, it's um it's almost a cult personality which is not the same with Marine Le Pen you know they hate the political the old political system it works the same way uh, you know yes. the same way yes yeah them you know they would say them like you say in the United the States. big them yeah the big them you know they're all the same bunch of politicians who are lying to us you know and she pretends that she was going to tell the truth and she was going to do the the truth so, and uh, she, the same um. Dynamic, yeah. They have the same dynamic, yeah. Would you say also grievance uh, or frustration at loss of culture, Would you, uh, the resistance to cultural change? Definitely, of course, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of frustration, you know. And it's like a cake. Um, you know, uh, in the eighties, you had a, a big cake, and uh, uh, the middle class had um, a big part, a big piece of the cake, you know. But now the people they have, they only have the leftovers, you know. So they're frustrated, you know. They see that only one person of the um yeah yeah that you know the one percent uh have have you know the vast amounts of the wealth i don't know what the ratio would be in france but yes you see a widening wealth gap where the exactly, people at the top exactly have have yeah and life is becoming really really difficult you know the upper class uh became the middle class the middle class became under under the uh so it's the same in the united states you know and so there is a lot of frustration and people are angry and in my in my town in my country i must say i'm not especially uh, proud of it but when we are angry you know we break everything down you know we had the revolution <laughs> you know so yeah what can i say <laughs> yeah yeah we, we we love to think the french just love their revolutions <laughs> well, in, very, a way, um... in a way i mean we can't talk <laughs> we obviously we need to break down everything you know so yeah 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 Okay, so let's go back to Putin because uh, Marine Le Pen, she has ties to Putin, according to the New York Times. Um, the National Rally has borrowed millions uh, of dollars from a Russian bank. Uh, Le Pen supported Putin's annexation of Crimea. How did all of that, those connections and those events, how did that factor into uh, the electoral climate? 
I'm not sure it had a big uh, impact. I mean, it has a big impact on the in- intellectual, I would say the educated people, but uh, the people, the middle middle class, I'm not sure they're very much uh, sensitive to the subject. I'm not sure of that. But Marine Le Pen, in that sense, Marine Le Pen is close to um, Jean-Luc Mélenchon because Jean-Luc Mélenchon, you know, have the same um, point of view of Putin and uh, both of them are pro-Putin, you know. So, but was it really, has it really an impact on the um, on the decision, you know, I'm going to vote for her or uh, I'm not sure of that. I'm, for us, for me, it's very important. Of course, it's a big issue, you know. And uh, But for the regular person, the regular people, I think they don't care, you know. And uh, it, we have in France the same trend as in England. More and more people are watching RT, Russia TV. More and more people, you know, because they wow. think... Them, they don't tell us the truth, but Russia TV is telling us the truth. Wow. Really? Yeah, I'm not, wow. I'm not joking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my and goodness. And it's the same trend in, in England. In England, you go, you talk to the, to the people under the middle class, they all watch a, a Russia TV because they think Russia oh, TV is goodness. telling the truth because the elite, the British elite, the French elite is not telling the truth. There's so much mistrust in the in the in the domestic uh, institutions that they believe that a foreign adversary would exactly. would tell them the truth. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here we've had a lot of news coverage around Ukraine uh, and the Russian invasion, obviously. And just last week, uh, we were talking about how the front page of the big U.S. news websites like you, like uh, CNN and the New York Times are dominated by stories about Ukraine. And I wonder how much news coverage, uh, you know, the invasion about the invasion has had in France. And, uh, you know, are people just getting their news about this event from uh, RT? And is there is there something to balance that in in other other papers, other media outlets? I would say that the regular press is doing its job, you know, but now the people are getting information either through the Russia TV or on social network, social, um, social network. Yeah. So they get to different type of groups, you know, who share their own, um, own ideas. And this is, uh, it is like a round, you know, they, and, and that's it, you know. So when they say that Mariupol, um, has been, uh, destroyed by the Russians, they say, they would say, they would tell you, I don't know. I'm, I haven't been there. I don't know what's going on, really, you know? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So Even um, seeing the images and the video emerging from They say the, the it field. can be fake. It, they say, say that. It can be fake. Like in Bucha, for instance, you know, some people to- told me, I don't know. I, I was not there. I don't know. Maybe it's a, it's a Ukrainian um, fake info, you know? So what can you say? Yeah, yeah. And if I if I said, but I just come back from you uh, from Ukraine, I can tell you, really, and they they don't ask, they don't want to know. In fact, wow. they don't want to know. You know, they don't want to know. That's that's for sure. Interesting. So you have two channels of information. You have the regular one, like yours or mine, and uh, which is not trusted anymore. And you have the uh, social networks and uh, and Russia TV. Russia TV is a huge and Russia fact. TV. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fascinating to me. Uh, and and w- w- would you say that the that they are particularly aligned with any any specific uh, political faction or group or party in France? Or um, you know, like for example, here we have Fox News now, which has which has really become just a a, a place where people get 
you know, radicalized now um, because they've been carrying water for Putin. It's been, it's really been wild to watch uh, the the sort of coverage that they call news and that people will believe. Um, and I, but it's it's very clear that they, you know, they exist to support um, the Republican Party and uh, and by extension Donald Trump's you know posture toward Russia now. Um, does Rush does, does RT um, serve the interests of the, the the national rally in that way? No, no, they are very uh, biased, mm. that's for sure. But they don't they don't do it uh, that strongly. But you have an I forgot about that. You have another channel, a French one, which is called C News. It used to be Canal Plus, but it's been bought by a very right wing uh, owner. He he tends to what he wants to do is a Fox. It's he wants to be the Fox, the French Fox TV. So now you have some oh. issue. Yeah. So now this chain, this channel is very biased. Like uh, for instance, they try to um, to do a, another story. I mean, a documentary on abortion, and uh, the people who did the, the documentary was prevented from uh, from um, from showing it on on this uh, channel. He was forbidden. In fact, he couldn't. He was attacked by the owner wow. of this TV. Yeah, he couldn't do it, you know, wow. which is very, very new for us. You know, it's like uh, in that sense, it, it's, it sounds like Fox News, you know, and, and uh, we're always late, you know, in, in France compared to the United States. Usually hmm. we do things first and then we follow, you know, and we are at the beginning of the past. Hmm. That's for sure. And uh, this is why I'm a little bit happy tonight because there is a big difference between Macron and Le Pen. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, let's talk about that difference for a moment. What would it have meant for France if uh, Le Pen had won tonight? And I should say, as we watch uh, from over here, it seems only a matter of time before she does win, that she is just getting better, you know, sharpening her teeth uh, or, you know, uh, uh, brandishing her image, right? Uh, And that eventually she will win. What is that going to mean for France? What would it have meant if if she had been successful this time? Oh, it would have been a chaos, definitely. But she said that uh, maybe she's lying. Who knows? I don't know. Or maybe she'll change her, her she change her mind. She said she would not run for a third term. So, but maybe she, you know, I don't know about that. But if she had been elected, uh, as far as the parliament is concerned, for instance, and there are going to be some parliamentary election in Ju- on June, on the 26th of June, this is a big mystery, you know, because we had, we've never had that before. So we don't even know how she would have uh, formed the, her government, for instance, you know. But on the ground, I would say, among the French people, what I call the real French people, it would have been... Um, Disaster, you know, the extreme left wing is ready to uh, to 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 break down everything for uh, very quickly, you know. So I'm sure Jean-Luc Mélenchon, you know, he would have uh, this would this would have been a very dangerous uh, path. But I'm not uh, I'm not convinced that something like this might not happen with Macron anyway, because um, mm. people are very unhappy, you know, and. Jean-Luc Mélenchon is very unhappy to have lost so closely, you know. I think it w- I think France is going to be in trouble. Say say more about that. What yeah, what kind of trouble what kind of trouble are we talking about because here we're focused the kind of trouble the US is facing is uh I mean among other things, but at the at the core our democracy is under assault. The very institutions that allow us to make decisions and govern ourselves. That is what the Republican Party here is attacking. And um and it's been 
slow, but people are starting to recognize that. And the, the sort of, um, the immune system is, you know, kicking into gear and people are now going to protect these, uh, the, the essential pieces of democracy at the county and the local level. Um, what is it that, uh, France faces trouble with what is what is uh, what is the danger that it faces? It's the same with France, but again, it's not as big as it is in the United States. You know, it's always bigger with you, but it's it's the same with us. Like for the no no, I mean for the first time in my life again, uh, between the first uh, first round and second round, I heard a, pol- a politician saying that um, he Xavier Bertrand um, he used to run, but then he dropped. And uh, he's from the uh, right wing, normal right wing, I would say, not the classical one. And he said he he was the first one to talk about illegitimate illegitimate vote for Mitterrand, oh. Macron, which is very very wow. very serious, you know. Um, yeah. Le Pen said the same, but she's the extreme uh, right wing, you know. And this uh, li- there is a little a, a little shift, you know, a very very dangerous shift, you know. And it reminded me of what uh, Mr. Trump said, you know. He kept saying that he had won the election and then the. And Biden, well, you know better than me, you know. So I thought, I think this is, we're getting into a very dangerous path and that just like you, but not in such a big, um, big way, I would say, uh, democracy is at stake. Definitely. You have to realize that almost 28% of people didn't vote. They're not interested, you know, they don't want to vote. And when you think of it, there is a war close next door. I mean, it's really next door for us, you know, the, the Europeans, you know, they, they're not even, I don't know, tempted to be part of something which is really good, which is, you know, electoral system. And even if it's not perfect, you know, we are asked to, we are asked about our voice, you know? So um, it's very, 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 very worrying, I think. And the, the young people, especially, you know, they didn't vote. I mean, 50% of the young people didn't vote. In this last election? Yeah. Just today? Yeah, 50%. Oh, wow. Young people. I'm talking about the young people, you know? Yeah, one like the under 30s. Two, one yeah. out of two didn't go and vote, you know? Listeners of uh, this podcast will be very, um, they, this will sound very familiar to them. Both, both the, the 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 claim of illegitimate votes uh, is being a new thing uh, that is just happening there is going to sound very eerie, I think, to people listening here. Um, and uh, I, I hope I hope you are not in for the same kind of attack on democracy that we have been through and are in now. During the Yellow Jacket uh, movement that I covered a little bit for the first two months because it was in my hometown and I thought, you know, I mean, come on, I have to see what's going on. You know, I was there when they tried to get into the Minister of, um, of uh, Foreign Affairs, which was, I mean, it was like, it's like, you. it's not, it was not like the capital, of course, you know, but still it was really, 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 uh, really uh, unprecedented, I would say. I mean, it's back in the revolution, you know, that we had the same thing. So, and now we're talking about the illegitimate uh, result. This is, you, you see, it's step by step. Yeah. So what do you think will be done in response uh, to this? Do you, will, will people take notice? Will they recognize what is at stake? Um, do you have an immune system that will kick into gear? What what do, uh, what happens next? 
Well, that's a very that's an eight million dollar question, you know, because uh, I think no, I mean this is the state in France is still very is still working, you know. People are, are saying that we live in a dictatorship. The state is not working, but no, no, that's not true. The, the state is working, and it all depends, of course, on the um, on the people on on the uh, region 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 you said in France on the local people, you know, they do. Uh, know how to make the machine work, you know, and because we have the we have Paris, of course, with the uh, with the government, but you also have the rest of France, you know, which is still working, by the way. So, um, but um, I think it's going to be very hard for Macron to to uh, form his government anyway, because he's got uh, uh, two. You can't. Um, uh, you can't. Uh, you have to take into account that. 41% of the people, 41% of the population voted for Marine Le Pen. You can't, you know, you can't let them on, on the road. That's not possible. So I don't know how he's going to do that, but he can't. I don't think he's going to feel, feel, um, fulfill all his promises, but he's got to, to fulfill some of them, you know, and he's got to listen because this is, people are, are saying that he's not listening, but he's got to listen to the fact that 41% of the population voted for her. You can't avoid, of, uh, you can't avoid uh, doing that. It's, it's, um, it would be uh, very dangerous for the for the future, you know. Okay, let's zoom out just a bit to look at the rest of the world uh, as you cover it. How do you think the rise in support for the far right in France? Uh, reflects what's going on in the rest of the world. And obviously we've seen it here with the rise of Donald Trump and, you know, in Hungary, over there you have Viktor Orban. What do you make of this trend and how would you describe it? It's a very dangerous trend, but it's the same one. It's a, it's a, uh, people are being frustrated, pretty much afraid of the outside world, of the globalization, a mistreat of the, of the elite also. So they have someone, you know, who is, talking, pretend to talk like them and, and delivering, you know, what they want to hear or not. Oh, yeah, what they want to hear. Uh, in Hung Hungary, for instance, he was expected to win, but in a small margin. And he won with a large margin. So what does that mean? It means that the people, you know, are, well, they don't think like you and me, probably, you know, and you have to take into account that people don't think the same way, you know, and what he was saying was appealing to the uh, Hungarian people, obviously, you know, and it's the same in France. You have the same type of people. It's, it's the same type of, 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 of people, I would say, population. They don't want the globalization. They don't want the, mi the migrants in, in the country. You know, they don't want that. They don't want those fancy ideas of the what you call in your country the liberals, you know, what we would say the socialists here. Whether you like it or not, you know, they, they, they don't want that. That, that's the main. So everywhere I go, you have the same um, trend, I would say, which is like people feel like they're being uh, besieged, you know, and they want to protect themselves from the outside world, even if it's completely uh, not even the reality, you know. And but they, this is the feeling they have. You have some right wing populists, but you also have some left wing populists, you know, and they're very good on, the, on yes. with those with the same um, same type of atmosphere and same type same type of emotion. We do have it also in France, you know. And I mean, 
we're not different from any, anywhere else. So, so altogether, I would say that the, uh, uh, but I've, I've been feeling it since uh, the election of Donald Trump anyway. The general feeling is not good. The, I, I, I would say that I feel some bad vibes everywhere I go, you know. The world is not going into the right direction. That's what I, I if I make myself clear. Uh, very clear. And that's probably the most succinct way to put it. And I totally agree. Um, tell me a little bit about Ukraine, if you were just there. Uh, and and yeah. what, were you, what were you covering? I spent uh, three weeks over there. I was in Irpin. It was just before uh, Bucha. And I was in Kiev and on the west part of the country. So I did the uh, resistance in the campaign, and then I did, well, uh, the, the uh, European situation, the Kiev situation. Well, uh, I had I had covered the war in Bosnia, you know, in uh, Sarajevo, so I know a little bit about the uh, besieged city, but I was extremely surprised by the um, worldwide reaction, to tell you the truth. Um, I'm, yeah, I've been very, very surprised. And the reaction of the of Europe, of NATO also. And Mr. Putin must have been extremely surprised also, you know, because uh, this is one success of his, you know, he united everybody in Europe, almost everybody, you know, and uh, which was not probably what, what he wanted. What I would say is that the Ukrainian people are very brave and courageous, you know, they're defending their, their country. And if you know, they had some doubt, and I don't think they had any, uh, of the Ukrainian identity. Well, no, no, they don't have any doubt. You know, they're definitely Ukrainian and they don't want to be, um, they don't want to be uh, colonized by, uh, by Russia. Definitely not. And this is not what Mr. Putin wanted. He kept telling yeah. the Russian audience, you know, that, uh, they would be welcome and everything. You know, it's only a bunch of Nazi were living there, but it's, uh, it's, it's it's not true at all, and and the Ukrainian people they don't want the Russian, you know, they have their own right to decide of their for their country, and they don't want the they don't want Russia inside the inside Ukraine. Very simple, you know, plain and simple, I would say. So some you have some voices in France which say that, and they, this goes with Marine Le Pen and Le, uh, Mélenchon. Well, uh, Ukraine, um, it's not that they it deserves it, but you know they. Made they they came closer to NATO. They wanted to get into NATO, so in a way, in a way, you know, they couldn't expect that Mr. Putin was not going to do anything. It's you know, it's like you mm. forgot you forgot about wow. the will of the people. You know, the people yeah. they they want something for themselves, and this is exactly yeah. what I saw when I was in Ukraine. They know exactly what they want, and no, and they don't want to be close to Russia. Very simple. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've been fascinated by the way this event has, uh, of of all things, here in the United States has been one of the, the only thing in recent history that has cut through, uh, to some degree, the partisanship um, between Republicans and Democrats here, uh, it, where support for Ukraine, if not American intervention, support for Ukraine, support for arming Ukraine, support for doing everything that we can uh, for refugees is uh, very strongly and widely supported. Um, and I wonder if, uh, particularly uh, among young people, and uh, a, a, good, um, a good friend and frequent guest on the show who's a, a national security writer, her name is Molly McHugh, made the point that this is the first time in the lives of most young people, millennials, for example, that they've been shown an example of a just war. Uh, where other military conflicts that the U.S. has been involved in have been at least uh, complicated. And this one is very clear 
um, morally what is right and what is wrong. And I wonder if you've seen any of that cut through uh, between the between the partisan divides in France in this in a similar way. Not that, not that cut, I would say, because at first, Jean-Luc Mélenchon and Marine Le Pen were, hmm, it was difficult for them to, uh, to say, really to say that Putin had crossed the line, you know? Hmm. They finally said it, but at the very beginning, at the, the very first day, you know, they were, hmm, well, and then finally, you know, they saw, okay, no, wait, 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 okay, something is wrong. But the Communist Party, for instance, said that okay what he's doing is not uh is not right but he was tricked by biden <laughs> so you see it's not that um and marine le pen when she was debating wow. you know and of course macron you know sort of uh, tried to trick her with uh, with putin of course and uh and the way she said um of course uh, i'm in favor of the ukrainian people she was very uh, she was like she was like a, like a little girl at school you know, she knew she had to say so but she didn't think a word of it and uh it was very um, very bizarre and um i'm not that sure that she's pretty much in, in favor of ukraine i mean she pretends to be now which was not yeah. the case at the very beginning but now i mean it's very difficult now you know to say that uh it's too complicated but deep down yeah. i think if she had been in power she would have, i mean she says so anyway she would have get closer to putin definitely absolutely you know no 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 they want to talk to, and it's not that it's it's useless to talk yeah, yes it's a little bit useless to talk to him but you still have to talk to him but the way she wanted to talk to him you know is obviously different from macron the way he yeah. wants to do yeah. it and uh, and it's the same for Jean-Luc Mélenchon. Jean-Luc Mélenchon is a for, he's a former Trotskyist, you know. So well, even if um, wow. Putin is not a communist anymore, but they have some bonds. It cut through the partisanship here to you know to a degree, to a large degree, to 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 a larger degree than most other things, especially domestic issues, which are just immediately polarized and split, you know, between the two parties. But this one uh, gained um, significant support. Uh, Pretty quickly, um, and but particularly among the young people, the just war, right? The first example that they've ever seen of something that is very clearly um, right and wrong. And I wonder if that, if if among young people, how do young people view the war there? Um, they, even you they, know, the, yeah. yeah, it was the same here. But I would, what I would say, you know, is uh, uh, Bosnia, for instance, was a fair. Was a, I mean, it was uh, the aggressor was Serbia, definitely. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mm -hmm. say the same between uh, between Serbia and Croatia. Croatia and Serbia, it's a little bit more tricky. But Serbia, you know, really attacked Bosnia. But there was not such a worldwide uh, support, really. This one is very interesting because it's um, in the middle of Europe. So you almost can feel it. You know, you go outside your door, your house, you know, and ooh, and you see the vibes, you know, you see, oh, oh, oh. maybe not anymore now, but at the very beginning, uh, one month ago, you know. And the other thing yeah. is, um, Bosnia, it's also related to uh, the color of your skin, you know. The Ukrainian people are white. Uh, here in France, at least, you have only uh, women and children. And they all want to go back to France, you know. It's not a also, it's not the same type of migration in a way, you know. They don't want to stay here. They want to go back home, you know. So people, I guess, are not afraid, or they sense, you know, uh, it's different from the the normal migration that we have, which most of the time are 
um, young men, men and young men, you know, and people are worried probably. This time, you know, they're blonde, blue eyes, you know, there is something like this, you know, in the, in the, mm. in the mind of the people. And uh, in that sense, it's also different from Bosnia, you know, and, and I'm, I'm a little bit taken aback. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised yeah. because um, yeah. it's a bit disturbing in a way. The fact that it's in the, in the middle of Europe and that it's a, a very clear aggression strike yeah. the people definitely yeah yeah definitely well karen before i let you go is there anything you'd like to leave a U.S. audience with uh, your perspective as you as you cover the war and what you're watching for over the next year, two years, three years? What do you think Americans are uh, missing? You know, we often talk on the show about um, how we need to look up more, and by look up, I mean look around the world as opposed to just uh, what's happening here, because what happens everywhere else affects us everywhere else uh, here. And so, what would you say to a U.S. audience? Oh my goodness! I would be very arrogant to say to say anything. The only thing I mean, I mean it's just uh, I, I have I have a very uh, as I said uh, before, I have a very uh, uh, weird feeling in the sense that I think the world is not going the right way. Definitely not, you know, and every really everywhere. I mean, even in our democracy, it used to be in the Middle East. It used to be in Africa. It used to be very far, you know. It used to be in the exotic countries, I would say. But now it's it's coming to to the Western and uh, advanced democracies, and it's very worrying. But I would say that. Uh, Americans should see what's going on outside, but I would say the same about the French people. You know, when I hear that we're living in a dictatorship, well, go to, I don't know, to China, to North Korea, and you'll see what is a dictatorship. So people everywhere should, well, I don't know, travel a little bit and um, and maybe read more and not only their own ideas, you know, see, you know, different type of ideas. It is what I would say, you know, and um, otherwise that. Yeah, I would sound too arrogant to tell to tell the American audience, you know, to do what uh, what they should do. Uh, I, I, I so enjoy talking with you. Um, and I'm thankful, thankful that you would take the time. Um, where can, uh, everyone find you and your work? Where can they find you on the internet? What do you mean? Uh, well, I work I mean, on I work Twitter. On... Do you, should, should we? Ah, I tweet. You... Yeah, 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 yeah. I have, I have, yeah, yeah, Twitter. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a dinosaur, you handle? know. I'm a no journalist, but I'm still on the, I mean, I mean, I'm the, I am using the social network. Yes. 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 And your Twitter handle is? Uh, Karen Lajon, my name, at Karen Lajon. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. We'll put it in the uh, in the show notes. And you write for Le Journal du Dimanche. Yes, correct. Yes, Le Journal Wonderful. du Dimanche. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually available in English. I believe you have translations, right? Oh, you have to use the Google translation. Yeah, it, which is it does good work, but English. it does work pretty well. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah. Well. it's much better than uh, ten, 10 years ago. Thank you to everyone at home and on the go for listening. If you haven't yet, we'd appreciate it if you could open up the Apple Podcasts app and give us a five-star rating and review over there. This helps us rise in the rankings so that new people can discover politicology organically. 
If you have questions about anything we've talked about, you can reach us, as always, at podcast at politicology.com. And even when we can't respond, we do read everything you send us, whether it's an episode idea, a guest recommendation, or just a simple note about how the show has impacted you. And we love hearing from you. I'm Ron Steslow. I'll see you in the next episode.